Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flody, and this episode is everything you need to know about how money can affect intimacy. But before I get into it, I want to make a few things very clear, and that is I'm not giving any type of medical advice. So if you're having any health problems, please speak with your friendly neighborhood healthcare provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your neighborhood religious leader. And this is a Muslim sex podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I am super excited to have on with me today, Dr. Elisa Jong. And Dr. Jong, I am going to let you introduce yourself. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So I am an oculoplastic surgeon, but I'm also a life and money coach, um, mostly for physicians, but other professionals as well. All right, awesome. And uh, Dr. Zhang, where are you located? I live in the east suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, but I actually work in Peoria, Illinois at the Illinois Eye Center for my clinician job. Oh, wow. Very nice. Very nice. So, well, why don't we just get into the episode? So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, you do a lot of coaching around money and we know that money plays a huge importance on everyone's lives. And we also know that one of the main reasons that people get a divorce is due to money and financial issues. So can you talk to me a little bit about that and um, your coaching and how you do that? Yeah, so money is something that we all need to live on, right? And there's a certain amount of money where not having money can certainly bring unhappiness, though there's no amount of money where money actually brings happiness. And depending on what's happening between a uh, the two uh, members of a couple, uh, in terms of money, there can be a lot about fighting about money. People have very different money mindsets. And your money mindset has been developing since, you know, the time that you were young, you observed your what your parents did with money, how they spent money, how they talked about money, and even how they fought about money at home. And often people will carry some aspects of that into, you know, their further later lives. And as you meet more people, your peers, your schoolmates, your teachers, your community that you grew up in, then if you go to college, the uh, college you went to might uh, affect your money perspective, depending on who you're hanging out with, certainly your friends, what kind of career you go into, and the people in that career. So as physicians, we tend to take on huge amounts of debt for our medical education. And so that plays a part into our money mindset. So our money mindset is constantly being set by everything around us. And so if you get two people together who are now sharing finances, as most couples do share at least some aspect of their finances, then there's going to be potential clashes, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's um, a very good point. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, just the way that I grew up. And um, so I, you know, being a first generation immigrant, I think that, you know, money is always on the top of mind. Um, and so I, you know, I agree with you 100% when you go into a relationship, you know, you combine a lot of things and uh, some people decide to not 
combine their finances, but definitely lots of people do combine their finances. And that, along with other issues, can play a huge part in intimacy. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about mindset, because I think that, you know, sometimes women um, get into the mindset that they're just going to have their husband or their partner or whoever manage the money, right? So not taking it, um, not really owning the responsibility of learning about money and, uh, and leaving it really up to their partner to figure it out. So... Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, in many cultures, there's the idea that the woman takes care of the household and the man takes care of the money. The man is the breadwinner. And for a long time, the man was the one who worked and the woman stayed at home. She didn't earn income. She might actually manage money within the household, but she wasn't necessarily responsible for making money. And that has certainly changed in the last few decades. And I think that's kind of been for the better. And now when we have couples it can go every way. It can be like the husband is the one managing the money. It could be the wife managing the money. It can be the managing together. It could even be they have both have separate accounts and then a joint account where they share some things. So I've seen and coach couples uh, or individuals part of a couple. I don't necessarily do couple coaching, but who've had it go every single direction, including women where, yes, as you said, they just they, they grew up kind of in a culture where the man takes care of the money. So they let their husband take care of all the money. And unfortunately, sometimes things don't work out. They get divorced and they just find out that the money wasn't really being taken care of very well at all. And they don't really they're financially in a position much worse than they thought that they were that, you know, throughout the marriage there might have been you know, plenty of money. They lived in a nice house, had nice cars, but that there weren't really any assets or investments or savings that had uh, developed over time. Yeah, yeah, I think that happens a lot, right? So uh, oftentimes, and, and you know, sometimes that women find out when their spouses pass away, right? The same thing is that if they had no knowledge of how the money was being managed and they didn't even know if they had any savings, they, you know, they didn't know where their accounts were and then all of a sudden they're no longer with their partner, um, you know, they don't know what to do because they, they have absolutely no knowledge of it. So what would you recommend would be a good way for anyone to get started in terms of learning about money and how to manage it and uh, how to make sure that they are financially savvy? Yeah, so uh, financial education and just learning about, you know, finances, money is certainly a way to start. But I would say if we're going to focus on couples, communication is really key and important. Yeah. And having an open communication and understanding each other's money philosophy and values with money. I think mm -hmm. that's really where it starts and, and coming in with a curiosity and an openness as opposed to uh, this is the right way and we should do it this way type of mentality. Right, right. So, um, you know, I so we talked a little bit about, you know, what happens to couples. And um, I think that, you know, for women, like we talked about, you know, a lot of times they don't know. So what would you suggest would be a good way for women to start learning about, you know, financial literacy? I know that you said, you know, it starts early on, but what are some ways that they could, you know, you say that they never learned anything yeah. early on, you know, how would you suggest that they learn to start managing money or so that they can be uh, a little bit more financially independent? So it's going to depend on learning styles. If you are someone who likes to read books, there are lots of great books about money and managing money. And um, there's actually a book um, called Smart Women Finish Rich. So it's kind of written for a woman's perspective. And that 
you know, it's not a bad way to start if you like uh, reading books. There's lots of podcasts out there. And I do have my own podcast, the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast, where I talk about both money and building wealth, as well as the mindset behind money. Um, but there are other avenues as well. And it'll somewhat depend on kind of your community and uh, what what information you really want to go after. Uh, and, you know, kind of your learning style in terms of how you want to, to grow that. But uh, I know that with here, it's a Muslim sex podcast. So I like to focus kind of more on like the communication with the spouse, because I think that's really the key in terms of intimacy, right? Because if you're fighting with your spouse about money, that's going to decrease the intimacy, that's going to decrease the closeness and connection. And it's that it's generally the breakdown of communication that really leads to, uh, you know, divorce or uh, distance between two people. Right, right. No, absolutely. Um, you know, there's different types of intimacy. And I talk about that a lot on my podcast. And definitely, you know, one of the biggest types of intimacy that we have aside from physical intimacy is emotional intimacy. And so if you f don't find that you can communicate with your partner, and actually communication is when they surveyed women uh, regarding how satisfied they were in their sexual relationships, the number one factor was communication. So, you know, as we can see, it kind of permeates throughout all different aspects of a person's life, not only in their relationships, but also in, you know, financial relationship and financial literacy. And it's so important to keep that communication open between the spouses and, um, you know, to make sure that they both know what's going on. But yeah, absolutely. If you don't have that type of emotional intimacy with your partner, then um, I think that that communication plays a huge part. And when that breaks down, then everything falls apart. So I agree with you. I think that that um, communication is super important to that financial literacy. Um, what other ways do you think could, um, you know, couples talk to each other about financial literacy so that they maintain this open communication and so that um, it increases the bond because once you trust each other, right? And I think that you, when you have that communication about all aspects of your life and money's be a huge part of the life and that you, when you, you know, um, have a spouse or a partner, money is a huge, uh, part. And so what would you suggest would be ways that they could open up about communication regarding wealth and uh, finances and things of that nature? Yeah. So what I really recommend is that couples actually set up a money date where they're going to sit and talk about their the finances that are going on in the household. And it may just be if one person is really the one managing the finances, sitting and talking about, you know, how they're managing it, where assets are, so that the other person can have some kind of idea and knowledge and be able to give input and just kind of not be in the dark. Also, in the very beginning, if you haven't done this, actually just sitting and talking about like what your values are behind money. If you have children, do you want to be saving in, uh, for their college? Do you want to actually pay for their college or is that a value to you? Because, you know, I've seen uh, just friend couples where you know, one person's like, oh, my parents paid for my college. I think it's important to pay for my children's college where the other is like, well, I had to figure it out my way. My kids can figure it out themselves, right? So even getting on board with the kind of values of what you want to spend that money on. How much do you want to save and invest? You know, when do you want to retire? And that can also be uh, 
play a, a large part if the spouses are somewhat different in age, right? If they're five years or even 10 years apart of age, maybe they want to retire at the same time, which means at different ages, which might mean different amounts of investment need to go if someone's going to retire earlier than, you know, maybe one spouse is going to retire at 65 and the other spouse is going to retire at 58 so that they both can retire at the same time and enjoy traveling together during retirement. Or the person's 58, maybe she doesn't or he doesn't fully retire, but is cutting back and how that's going to affect finances. So there are Actually, the the same author who wrote Smart uh, Women Finish Rich actually has a book, Smart Couples uh, Finish Rich. And in there, he actually has um, example things to talk about and have that communication between couples. I also think it's important to just have uh, that each person in a couple has some discretionary income that they can spend without permission from their spouse, whether it's they have you know, some percentage of their paycheck that's just theirs that they can spend uh, on anything, or there's a certain allowance, essentially, whether that's, you know, 200 a month, 500 a month, 1000 a month, I mean, that's going to depend on your own household finances, of course, but, uh, but there's just something where, you know, it, they, you don't have to ask for permission. If you want uh, to spend on, you know, golf clubs for the man, or, you know, a, a designer purse for the woman, there, there's no saying like, oh, like, I don't value that because, and it, and I agree, there's also same-sex couples, so I don't want to make it so that it's only heterosexual, but, you know, there are going to be things that someone values that the other person doesn't value at all, and there's no reason why you can't spend money on something uh, that might even be expensive if it's budgeted for, if it's properly accounted for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think something that you mentioned, which I almost had a visceral response to <laughs> was creating a money date to, to talk about money. I think I need to take your course on this mindset for money. I have such an awful mindset. Just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just have such a hard time discussing money. And, you know, I find that it's easier to give, but not so much to like, um, save and try to figure out and try to, you know, all of those things, I think um, there's just a huge uh, block. And I think that that's why it's so important to learn about money to try to overcome, you know, whatever that fear or that anxiety or whatever it is regarding money that you kind of overcome it so that you can become more financially literate and also financially savvy. I think that was also a very good point what you bring up um, in terms of putting aside money for discretionary expenses. You know, because I think that sometimes uh, couples or one person may feel like, oh, I can't buy this because, you know, that's going to affect our finances. And what would the other person say? And, you know, they always think that I'm a spendthrift and I don't save. And so, you know, all these thoughts go through your head. And so it's always good to know that you have, you know, a certain amount of money that you've set aside for yourself. And actually I've created this where I've created a separate checking that's just mine that I can do whatever I want with and I don't feel guilty about it. And I think that that is really important because it allows that person to feel like they have autonomy or even, you know, that they can spend money like they want without having to feel guilty or upset or, you know, the other person always questioning, well, why are you spending it on this or that? And um, I think that that really helps a lot. 
And I think that that's really important to do, you know, if, if people are able to do it. I also think that, um, you know, we hear about in say domestic violence, right? That people, their partners sometimes will use money as a way to control um, their spouse so that, um, you know, if, if they were to leave, that they can't leave their partner. And that if they were to leave, they would be left with nothing, right? You hear about that a lot. So, um, so yeah, I think that it's really important to kind of set aside money for yourself. Um, what have you seen in your clients? What do you advise them in terms of, say, if somebody's never, you know, not only do they not have much knowledge about financial literacy and financial savings or anything like that, but uh, if they've never even opened up an account on their own. Yeah, so I do encourage, I mean, every account, so everyone doesn't necessarily need to have their own account. You can have it be joint if, you know, depending on the couple's relationship with each other. But for some people, it really is good to have a separate account and even potentially at a different bank than where the joint account is or, uh, I mean, just to uh, keep it completely separate. So it's really, I do... Uh, individual coaching. So it really is indiv individualized to uh, the person that I'm working with. So there's not really like one best way for everyone. Um, but I do kind of want to go back to something you said about like, it's it's not as easy to save when, um, and saving is definitely important, but also investing is important. I think that also is a place where a lot of people get uncomfortable about because they fear losing money. But unfortunately, if we don't invest our money, if we don't get our money to be working for us and making more money, then we'll always have to work for money. And eventually we all want to retire, right? Or we all will have to because we'll get to a point where our bodies can't continue working anymore. And there can be a lot of fear around investing, especially that fear of losing money. But I want to let you know that even with savings accounts actually paying reasonable uh, rates right now, Inflation is high enough that if you just leave all your money in savings accounts, then you're still kind of losing compared to inflation. And there's no way that you're going to make enough money to just save and have enough for the rest of your life. Your money really needs to be working for you unless somehow you really win like, you know, 10, 15, 20 million dollars in the lottery or, or you know, and, and then even that you find a lot of lottery winners who go bankrupt because they don't know how to manage that level of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, that's such a good point, right? And I find that uh, there are people that um, have serial businesses and, you know, they go from one business to another to another and never quite really understand how to invest or to save or how to make money. And like you said, you know, learn how to have your money work for you all the time so that you're not always having to work for money. So I think that that's a very important point. I think going back to how um, money affects intimacy, I think that if, you know, if you are financially struggling, right, you're really not going to want to be intimate with your partner because you're going to have so much stress on yourself. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we notice also when it comes to intimacy and with partner relationships is that when you're not able to be mindful or focused in that, you know, partnership, when you're with that partner, um, then that your relationship really suffers, right? Because you're not able to really pay attention and give your all to that um, relationship 
because you're always thinking about something else. And so one of the key things that we talk about that I talk about is really being mindful in the relationship and really trying to be present. And when if your money and your finances are I guess, would you say, safe or, you know, being taken care of, then you really have one less thing that you worry about and that you can be more present in your relationship, right? And that would really help the relationship. But if you are really uncertain or you don't have um, good management skills in terms of your money, then I think that that would really uh, impact the relationship. Have you seen that in your clients? I have not so much seen the financial struggle of not having enough uh, since I do primarily coach physicians where there is enough income to cover daily expenses. It's more whether they're actually putting their some portion of their income into investing in order to actually be able to reach financial freedom at some point and how uh, they want to invest. And it often comes up actually with real estate. So real estate investing, one person looks as really risky, one wants to really do it to uh, you know, really develop um, more cash flow uh, more quickly than investing in the stock market. But I will say that if you do have a couple where the fi is financially struggling and it is that there's a limited number of, uh, a limited amount of income coming in, then it's really important to be on the same page when kind of deciding what you're going to spend. And I don't really love the term budget because it sounds, budget's like, uh, sounds restrictive, right? Like a diet for eating sounds restrictive. But think about it as a spending plan that you are planning out your spending ahead of time so that you're not caught off guard and you know where you want to put, uh, like where you're going to put all the money that you're having coming in so that you know that you have enough. You know you have enough for the mortgage or the rent. You know you have enough for food. You know that you have enough for even the fun things, for those discretionary things, because, you know, money is a tool and it, it's it's really not good or bad. Um but it can bring us happiness and we do want to spend our money in ways that uh, are more likely to bring us happiness. So having that intentionality and then also doing it together, right? Because if like one person really feels that travel and vacation is really going to bring the, the rejuvenation and happiness and the other person, you know, is really more wanting to buy some expensive it doesn't matter really what, like having that discussion of like, well, you know, if we have limited funds and we can't do both, do we do one one year, one the other year? How, how does that get divided up? Um, you know, but again, it's all about kind of that communication. Yeah, I think what you say is so important, right, is that to sit down together and, you know, when you when you're growing up, you learn that, you know, your money should be divided into like saving, donate and um, and spend, right? Those three categories. And um, I think that if you're not really sure how to start with that, you know, I think that starting up as a couple and figuring out what your values are and things that you find super important and how you want to save and spend and donate is really important. And just like what you said, right, to be on the same page and um I think that really it all it all starts from communication and um, getting that conversation started. I, I'm feeling like um, <laughs> I need to get that conversation started. I I've been lax in that department as well. I'll, I'll be honest. I just I, every time I have this huge mind mind block against uh, money, and so I really need to figure that out. I, maybe I'll be contacting you <laughs> for your services. Yeah, but and I really recommend like 
like there would be a place, you know, you can create a binder where like a list or all the uh, financial accounts so that, I mean, what if one spouse yeah. just suddenly becomes incapacitated, yeah. right? Like the other spouse needs to know where everything is. So this could be a virtual account or this could be actually printed out and just having like, you know, this is all our assets. This is our bank accounts, our brokerage accounts, our retirement accounts, any real estate that we own, any uh, business interests that we own, that that's all collected somewhere so that if one spouse is really handling all that and the other spouse really doesn't know what's going on that there's at least some place they can go where okay like the other spouse is incapacitated like i've got to i at least know where things are right right absolutely and again yeah it's all about um knowing and communicating but like you said you know if something happens to one spouse and then the other person has no idea right what their assets are then that's it's a huge problem and that happens a lot when uh, women, and it's usually women, right? That don't have any idea what's going on with their money and they leave it all to their partner to figure out and then um, and then they just don't know, they don't even know what they have. So I think that that uh, is huge. But um, any last financial um, pearls or anything that you would want to leave our listeners or viewers with so that, um, you know, they know where to get started what yeah. to do. Well, I just want to bring up um, one more point that if you are yeah. using a financial advisor to make sure that they're a fiduciary financial advisor such that they're really doing what's best for you. And unfortunately, 90% of financial advisors aren't fiduciary. Uh, generally, you want to go to someone who's going to be fee-based as opposed to uh, someone who is more commission-based because if it's commissioned, then now they have a little bit of conflict of interest in what they're offering you. There are certain products like insurance that are always paid on commission, and there are insurance products that most people should have, like life insurance. You generally should have term life insurance and not whole life or any kind of uh, life insurance that uh, also mixes investing. For most people, there are some people where those kind of insurance products can make sense. And... Uh, and whenever you meet with the financial advisor, that both members of the household are meeting with that financial advisor. So they really get a sense of both of the values and financial goals and everyone's on the same page. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Actually, that makes a lot of sense, right? And I, I didn't know about that commission-based versus, um, you said what, fee-based? Yeah. And, um, and term life insurance? Term life insurance for... Most people, 99% of people, all you need is term life insurance. If you need life insurance at all, there are people who don't necessarily need life insurance. If you're single and you have no children and no dependents, then you might not need any uh, life, uh, term life insurance. But mm -hmm. yeah, st stick with the term because... So I, I think a good sign of a financial advisor you don't want to work with is someone who starts selling you a whole life policy or ABUL or universal life or any other type of life insurance than term life. If they're doing that, then th that's a clear sign to walk away. There are a mm. lot of financial advisors who just want to manage your portfolio and they're going to charge you an assets under management fee, typically of one, but even up to 2%. And I would shy away with working with any of those people as well, because really that uh, decreases the return of your portfolio significantly. And it doesn't take that much education for you to be able to manage your portfolio just as well as they would just by doing what's called index fund investing. Hmm. 
Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much. So how can people get in touch with you? If they're looking, they're listening to you and they're like, wow, she is amazing. I really need to get in touch with her. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So go to my website, growyourwealthymindset.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me. You can send me uh, a message straight from there. You can get on my email list. If you want more financial education, again, I have the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast, and that's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, and hopefully whatever your favorite podcast uh, app is. I'm also on Facebook and on Instagram. On Instagram is at uh, Grow Your Wealthy Mindset and uh, at Facebook uh, at my name at Elisa, last name C-H-I-A-N-G. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zhang, for joining us today. And well, we are done here and it's been real and really intimate. So remember, this is not meant to be any type of advice, financial advice, actually, in this case. And so if you have any questions about your financial assets, please speak with your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, then please contact um, whoever you usually reach out to for financial advice and or Dr. Zhang, who is here to help you out and uh, help you with your finances. Yes, so. I, I do want to say I'm not a certified financial planner, but I do help people uh, empower. I empower people to manage their own finances. And most people are are smart enough to actually manage their own finances. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zhang. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Please be so kind to leave a review for the Muslim Sex Podcast. Five stars are always welcome and I would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.